Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What's up? I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live at Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, X, formerly known as Twitter, or maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Apple, Android, wherever you get podcasts. It's all good. We love having you here. Um, And uh, Pete, I gotta say... You were a little late today. Were you busy? Sucking on a cheesesteak. Oh, man, you're fun, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I'm a, I'm a delight. I'm an absolute delight. We workshopped that. That was a real... That's <laughs> we the kind did. of timing you got to workshop. Yeah, we were talking about uh, this actually the other week. That when we were live, we would always scramble to come up with a bit. But this one, we planned out well in advance. Two, three minutes ago, something like that. Yeah. That's called preparation, guys. <laughs> that's what counts in this grown-up world we live in. We're grown-ups. Uh, we are grown-ups, but you know who's even more grown-up than a grown-up is somebody with a PhD. They're like a professional <laughs> grown-up. <laughs> and we got one on the show. He is the uh, creator of Hammer of the Dogs, which is out now. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Keen, PhD. Hey, Hello. Welcome. Right. Welcome. PhD. Uh, Dr. Keene is in the house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so just to explain that you are legit, you <laughs> uh, have a PhD and you teach graphic novels, right? Like, oh, man, I missed my calling. That's a hell of a thing to teach. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit. How did you How did you get it? Is it graphic novels 101? Is it something that you integrate into your courses? How does it work? It's a uh, what we call a 400 level class for English majors. Uh, I mean, anyone can Top. sign up for Top it. Level, but, you know. I want to do. Uh, I wanted to do something with the graphic novel because that's what young people read and enjoy. And um, frankly, I was the only one remotely qualified to uh, to teach the graphic novel since uh, I've been reading comics. Well, I learned to read from you know the spinner rack in my neighborhood. That's uh, how uh, I got into reading. Uh, I didn't read a proper novel until I you know, entered college and uh, then I they made you. Yes. They I, made learned, you really. <laughs> I learned the pleasures of pure prose, um, but you know, I could never give up comics. How do you, how do you give them up? And now that uh, works like Alan Moore's Watchmen is considered a, you know, top 100 novels in the, one of the top 100 novels in the English language. Um, I think it's time to uh, push even harder on this idea that comics belong in the classroom. Nice. Now, well, not keen. to, how many comics hours of reading comics do you have to um, accomplish before you can just start calling yourself a doctor? And I, because I believe we've reached it on that. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to necessarily uh, read a bunch of comics to get a PhD. You have to like write academic articles about comic Ooh, books in order to you know, oh, prove your hard. bona fides. To... That's harder. <laughs> now, harder. not too much, uh, not to spend too much on your teaching, but. 
uh, in your graphic novels class, like what graphic novels do you uh, have your students read or which ones do you kind of point Not out? Not to spend cool. too much time on the topic we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. but here's a question. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's news to Pete. By the way, you have a new freshman coming your way. <laughs> Excellent. You're going to love Las Vegas. Depending on the curriculum. I mean, if you uh, you know throw out some ones, maybe I don't sign up here. I'm excited to hear what we're talking about. Wait, you're in Vegas, Dr. Keene? Yeah, Pete, I do. how much sweeter does this need to get? <laughs> Oh man, I should pinch Vegas, <laughs> baby, Vegas. Or I'll make Pete pinch me when he arrives here as an undergraduate. But um, he does that. He <laughs> no, uh, I just teach the works that you all are familiar with. You know, The Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, okay, uh, Mouse, of course, Ooh, and then I throw in a little curveball here and there with like The Crow by James Ovar, yeah. uh, which I think is a powerful and emotional um, piece of uh, comic storytelling. Uh, you know, I throw in some of the um, more celebrated, critically acclaimed uh, graphic memoirs like Fun Home, but I try to keep it, you know, in the my wheelhouse, you know, which is like the, the mainstream American superhero comic in that prestige format that began really in the 80s with uh, the release of those books that I mentioned, you know, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. Watchmen, uh, Mouse, the stuff that I bought at the comic shop rather than the spinner rack, the stuff that I bought at like Walden books or B Dalton in the mall, uh, <laughs> higher price point and all that. So that's well, what they, uh, no, I t- go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you know, some people have their diplomas on the wall behind them. I'm so glad that you have comic books on the wall behind you because now I believe you're legit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, well, we actually, I was surprised. That's what I thought you were going to ask about, Pete, was the stuff behind him. We got a question here from Kevin. Uh, is this an actual <laughs> office on campus? Fancy, because for anybody who's listening just to the podcast, you've got this whole great uh, bookshelf of uh, comics and graphic novels back there you got a lovely window it's still daytime where you are yes um so that's very nice is this your office or this is my office can you believe it uh you're right i'm I'm living the dream what why am i why do i complain about anything (laughs) i know you shouldn't i mean you are living the dream you got an office full of comics you teach about comics i mean what more is there to life I don't know. Wait, do you see Uh, my wife? Then you're gonna. Wow! You even have a wife? Holy crap! (laughs) Wow. Uh, While while we're talking though about uh, sort of the the curriculum, before we get to the the book, like I feel like you were talking about books that are sort of firmly in the canon that we are like revere uh, in general. What's a book that you sort of slide in there that you're like, you know what? This has a spot up top, book or books um, that you feel like should be sort of. Yeah. On the shelf, the top shelf. Yeah, just to give an example, something like Lock and Key or Mouse Guard. You know, something. What What do you think, though? Don't um, Mouse Guard. Wow. I'd have to say Elf Quest. I'm, and I'm not joking. I, I love that. Wow, an Elf yeah. Quest guy. All right. <laughs> I mean, Elfquest. talk about epic stories. Yeah. I was well, 80s. I'm writing a book about Jack Kirby's uh, solo work. I call it a solo work. The, the stuff that he wrote and drew on his own. Uh, once he left Marvel uh, in 1970, you know, defected to uh, DC Comics to create mm-hmm. the Fourth World, and then uh, when he re- returned to Marvel, you know, they let him write and draw uh, his own material, including Machine Man, uh, which was um, a terrific title. You know, uh, Devil Dinosaur. He came back to Captain America and the Falcon. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I, I think anything that is, you know, ignored unjustly should be. There should be an effort to like uh, bring it back into the canon, um, because you know that's really what uh, you know Tolkien did with uh, Beowulf. It was through his, mm. you know, really his efforts that uh, that the epic poem was reintroduced into literary studies. You know, in the fifties and sixties, it was because of his championing of this um, uh, forgotten, misunderstood poem. Uh, and I think uh, we should all strive to find works that are you know, deserve more attention and more critical analysis. Yeah, like concrete. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> concrete, Pete's going to keep throwing things out there, but yeah. why don't we turn and talk about your book? Because you did, uh, this is not the first book you've written, but you, this is the most recently released, Hammer of the Dogs, uh, that just came out a week or two ago at this point. Now, this is not a graphic novel. This is a novel is... Uh, I mean, this is kind of a silly question, but why that? I mean, given clear, clear love of graphic novels, why not try to create a graphic novel versus a wordy novel? 
is what yes. we call them here. <laughs> well, the, the first issue was trying to recruit someone that uh, I looked up to to, you know, do the heavy work, the drawing, the illustrations. And I didn't want to, like, you know, saddle somebody with, you know, a project that maybe they, you know, wasn't their own idea. So I just took it upon myself just to write the fastest, most hair-raising, fun thrill ride of a prose book that I could possibly muster. And I don't know, I think I did okay with it. I, I, uh, it, it readers tell me that this thing moves fast, which is what I wanted it to do. Right, and yeah. I really wanted, I want, I wanted it to be a book like, like the ones uh, you and that we grew up reading, like, you know, Stephen King's The Long uh, Walk, or I don't know, those early novels are just so uh, fantastic. You know, Carrie, Firestarter. Oh, yeah. Um, just, they, do you know what his secret was? Uh, the cocaine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was. You can't say that like it was, though. I'm sorry. That's I mean, why there's so maybe bad. it helped, but that's not the only he reason. He doesn't a... remember writing several of those books because he was. So it happens when you get old, man. Yeah. All right, yeah. No, enough. I didn't. I didn't use cocaine, but I did use. I did abuse coffee. Okay. Um, there we go. Yeah, there it is. That's like daytime <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's illegal coke. Off topic of this thing that I, I forced us into talking about, um, why don't you give the pitch for the book? What is the book about for anybody who doesn't know? It is a post-apocalyptic adventure novel um, that's set in ruined Las Vegas, starring a 21-year-old drone assassin named Lash, who's basically fighting to protect her family and friends from two warlords who have carved up the valley and you can see the Vegas backdrop there uh, on the book cover. Uh, that's wow. the Luxor where yeah, her, you can see the Luxor. Yeah. Yeah. That's where her drone Academy is housed in the basement of that um, property, which interestingly is where I worked for many years uh, oh, prior wow. to becoming a professor. I was an internal propagandist. I wrote the employee newsletter and did all these like spotlights uh -huh. on MGM resorts, uh, you know, people, including, you know, pastry chefs, uh, Cirque acrobats, you know, guest room attendants. Oh, that's awesome. It was a world within a world. And I wanted to uh, convey some of that, um, you know, gang-like uh, tribalism uh, in this book, because I could easily imagine the properties on the strip in a post-apocalyptic setting, you know, vying for control over, you know, resources like, you know, water, power. Nice. And then... Uh, this weird thing happened where I don't know if you're aware of this. Las Vegas is a huge convention town. Mm, so, I've heard news, that. breaking news here so, on the comic book. People like show. to go there when they're away from their families. Or <laughs> so these drone tech comp uh, gatherings would occur in places like you know the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. We're talking like a million plus square feet of uh, of space. And I would use my employee badge to you know bust into these gatherings and survey and. Wow and check out all the new drone weaponry. And it was really, really frightening. And then oh, I started like thinking that. about how Nevada and Las Vegas in particular, it's always been like a sandbox playground for the military industrial complex. You know, uh, they got Elon Musk here building tunnels underneath the strip for, uh, for you know, to ease the congestion of traffic on the strip. And- um, He has a room there where he just reads his <laughs> tweets aloud, right? And then, so they reverberate off the walls for himself. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, if we've yeah. got the history of atomic testing here. We've got Area 51, Hoover Dam. Las Vegas is always on the bleeding edge of technology. And so I thought, hey, why not um, create this post-apocalyptic story in the vein of Commandy, the last boy on Earth, mm -hmm. where uh, the kids are struggling right. to survive and, you know, sniping at each other with drone tech. I thought that would make for a very scary uh, you know, Hunger Games esque tale that uh, with had a bit more bite to it. I, I love Hunger Games. I love Diverge, I, Divergent. I love all these uh, hmm. YA dystopian novels. But I wanted to go back to sort of the roots of the thing with, uh, you know, like in the Stephen King, Jack Kirby uh, '80s style of aggressive storytelling. And so I just wanted to write the most aggressive, you know. Um, post-apocalyptic adventure I could muster with, you know, all these references to 80s hard rock, heavy metal. Um, you know, I've got references to 80s action adventure, sci-fi fantasy films throughout. You know, I reference everything from Dune to Kroll to Tron to, you know, uh, Last Starfighter to Legend to Labyrinth. And I Talk just... Talk about the canon right here. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my canon back when stuff was fun. 
and um, yeah, crawl, dude. Crawl, I, yeah, exactly. Crawl's the one that always. <laughs> Which I had the comics adapta- adaptations of here. Oh somewhere. my god, that's oh, I loved love that, that back in the day. I read that so many times. The movie. I couldn't watch. Like, it would give me a headache because it was moving so slow. And I'd be like, well, too much glaive. Too much glaive. (laughs) Can't handle the glaive. Can't handle. (laughs) Absolutely. But also the big hits like Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn, um, you know, uh, Road Warrior. Those are movies that inspired me to become a storyteller. And I just wanted to pay uh, homage, pay tribute to those great works uh, by creating something new exciting visceral and like i said uh, really aggressive and to my uh dismay uh and pleasure i got this book uh published with a university press which i think is uh, is very interesting i had to yes kind of like go around the or you know i didn't go around anything they ignored me completely but <laughs> <laughs> commercial new york publishing is just so it's not like this it, it, mm-hmm. it they don't care about uh, the way things used to be. They're only uh, interested in the new, boring stuff that doesn't move me. I want to be moved. I want to have a, a visceral, emotional reaction to things. And Dawn of the Dead gives that to me, whereas this other stuff they make today, uh, not so much. Um, I got a, I got a, maybe a weird question, but given this is from a university press, why doesn't it say PhD? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think it really helps you when it comes to crafting. <laughs> oh, sure. It might be a something they hold against you, you know, readers. Mm, right. Yeah, exactly. If I saw something like PhD, I'd be like, whatever, big time. You know? <laughs> I don't want to get bored to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy's going to lecture me. You know, Not... Frank Miller doesn't put PhD next to his name. He doesn't have one, but I mean, he doesn't put. He wouldn't put, his name, <laughs> he wouldn't put that next to his name on the cover. Right. So. He also doesn't put DDS. That's another thing that he's not. So there you go. The not to get back. I to want a I dentist asking. title on this. I want DDS. <laughs> the Dark Dentist Returns. That's what we got to get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since now that you have the novel out there, though, do you have any thought? to turn it into a graphic novel? Like now that you're past the hump of actually creating and crafting the story? Well, if I can sell enough copies, obviously, uh, I think that would impress an artist enough to want to jump on board. But, you know, it's one of those things where um, I I love it the way it is, like in its current incarnation, in the same way that I'm sure Alan Moore doesn't want Watchmen to be adapted again into some other, you know, piece of crap that he doesn't like. But um, Has he ever talked about that? I will, <laughs> I will say this. I would rather this book be adapted into uh, a, an action telenovela Ooh. or a um, mm. piece of musical theater um, before it became oh, wow. a, a graphic novel. I'm really getting into uh, some of those cool old, uh, well, again, 80s musicals, you know, Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. Cry yeah. Baby, um, uh, even Annie. Like, those were really, I don't know, they those were thrilling uh, musicals and uh, the whiz was very post-apocalyptic. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. surprising. Yeah. Starting points. And um, so I would love to see it adapted into an unusual medium, like, yeah, uh, like an interpretive of dance or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared, where can people pick up the book right now? Yeah. It's at your Barnes and Nobles. I saw it at target across the street from Target. Yeah, <laughs> All right. There it is. Uh, I didn't see it at Walmart, so probably not at Walmart, but um, it's at the uh, all the usual places. And, of course, you can get it um, through Bookshop or Amazon uh, on the Internet. And um, the University, University of Nevada Press, you can purchase it there. But um, I, I hope that when when your uh, listeners pick it up and read it, that they shoot me an email, let me know if they enjoyed it. Uh, I don't care about Goodreads and all that, but, you know, email me and let me know if you liked it because I want to I want to figure out. Um, how to write the second one and the third one, you know, where I send the hero lash the protagonist of hammer of the dogs into, um, onto, into, uh, outer space, put her on Mars and have her fight alien yeah. drone tech, uh, from another galaxy. I think that would be a, oh, a awesome. cool part of the trilogy. And cool. if people wanted to take your class, how would they do that? Yeah, exactly. well, they can enroll here at the university of Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, in the English department. You can audit my class, of course. Uh, that's one option. But, yeah, you'd have to be in Las Vegas because uh, I don't know if I'm going to teach. Th- I'm not ready to teach an online version of uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of my graphic novel. That's all right. Pete already booked a flight to Las Vegas, so you're yeah. good to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, I would love to have you here. You know, bring, 
bring a few bring a few friends. Uh, Las Vegas is a is a fun town. You, it's always great to bring friends to Las Vegas and meet new friends. So yeah, oh yeah, I'm in. the friends I'm you in. make in Vegas sometimes last a lifetime because you're yeah. married to them. And <laughs> uh, Jared, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Good luck with yeah. The book. Hope the book does fingers yeah, crossed man. for the musical. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Have a great thank night. You. Later. All right. Once again, the book is called Hammer of the Dogs. It's out now. Yeah. Here from Jared Keen, PhD. Why don't we bring in our next guest? He is the creator of the superhero's journey, which I believe yeah. is out today. Patrick McDonald. Patrick, Woo-hoo! welcome. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing? All right. Good, so good. today is your book birthday, right? The book is yeah. out in stores. How does that feel to finally have it out there? Happy right. birthday. Yeah, and I'm, I'm uh, excited to see how people uh, relate and uh, think of this book. It's a very different book from Marvel, so I'm curious to see how it goes over. So far, yeah. all the reactions have been good. Yeah, it was great. pretty bowled over by it, even yeah. kind of knowing what to expect and seeing the cover and being like, oh, okay, I thought this was going to be a Marvel art book because it's in the Marvel art book vein, but... The way that you play with form here, the comic book pages, and the history yeah. of Marvel Comics is so fascinating throughout. So cool. Um, where, where did the idea start? Like, was the idea to do a pure history of Marvel Comics and then it morphed into something else? Did it start with the morphing part, or where did you come from? <laughs> you know, it started with... Uh, I, I had just finished a book. I actually did a book with the Dalai Lama called Heart to Heart. It was wow. a, a graphic oh. novel, kind of a graphic novel about the environment. And I didn't know what do, what do I do after that. And then uh, Charlie Kochman from Abrams Books uh, asked me if I would like to play with the Marvel characters. And what artist wouldn't want to play with the Marvel characters? I know her childhood. Fresh dream. off talking to the Dalai Lama, you're like, I'll give these Marvel guys a shot. Yeah, I mean, those Dalai Lama Marvel characters. I mean, it's yeah. right there. You know what I mean? And uh, so, of course, I said yes. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. Um, I knew I wanted to. Uh, you know, I did, in thinking about it, I couldn't help but go back to my childhood. I mean, you know, how important those early comics were for me. I mean, I grew up in the 60s. I was lucky enough to see Jack Kirby and Stanley and Steve Dicko invent all that stuff in front of my eyes. Uh, yeah, I wait a month for the next one. That's uh, that. That's what I really loved about this is it's it's very moving. It's a real kind of love letter to comics as a kid and kind of like that magical time of like, first reading comics and having it kind of just blow your mind with possibilities and creativity. You know, I think everyone relates to that. You know, for me, my first comic was X-Men number 11. And uh, still one of my my favorites. So, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a memoir, but, you know, in thinking about comics, I couldn't help but, you know, think about me as a kid just being totally fascinated with that world. So that became part of the book. I knew I wanted to draw as many characters as I could. So uh, Fantastic Four Annual Number 3, where uh, Sue and Reed get married, was uh, was an inspiration because that book had every Marvel character on the cover and yeah. most of them inside the book. And the two quotes, the two Jack Kirby quotes that start the book and end the book were really inspiring. Hmm. Where, you know, the first quote where they ask him, uh, it was in a telephone interview, they asked Jack if he had one superpower, what would it be? And he uh, immediately said love. And I just thought, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's a love letter to Marvel and a love letter to Jack Kirby in particular. And awesome. I, I mean, I, I think there's probably an obvious reason for this, but why do you focus around the Fantastic Four? Because that's how it's introduced. A lot of it is with Reed and Doom and the Watcher and they're the heart of that. But why was that important to you? You know, it, it, it's funny, uh, you know, it really centers on Reed Richards and the Watcher. And to be honest, if you would have asked me before I did the book that I'd have Mr. Fantastic as the main character, I, I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> because, uh, he's fairly boring, boring, and he's not really Great. fun to draw. I mean, it's, it's nowhere near as fun to drawing Iron Man wow. or Man or Giant Man. You know, it, it, the book's also a spiritual journey, and I just think The Watcher is one of Jack's greatest creations. I just think... Uh, He's such an interesting spiritual character. So I knew he was going to be a big part of the book. And it just made sense that it would be Mr. Fantastic and him that would do this journey together. What was the draw to Mr. Fantastic? It just happened. 
was it is it like sort of it he's like has like the father figure in the marvel universe a bit the sort of like uh trust you can trust him he's sort of like uh can is it is the brains he'll get he can stretch figure things out like is that part of it you think yeah, or well, what, it, what was it, it for you it's that and it's you know boy i mean jack put a lot of spirituality in his work and you know the watcher the i you know from all the spiritual books i've read you know the idea of just watching and not interfering like you know that is just a theme in a lot of spiritual books just that you uh watch the universe and um take you know see the the beauty in everything and i just thought and that and to me the like the book starts out with the watcher saying that um the most i'll read i'll read the quote While you're looking it up, I just want to say the the art. There's so many great pieces of art that you've that are in here. Like I really love them. They stick out so so much. Well, here, why don't you read the quote and then we can get okay. back to that? Because the whole of life lies in the verb seeing, and I think that's what the book's about. Like as a kid, mm. what you saw in those comics and how they moved you, and uh, just seeing all the beauty around. That's with well, Marvel comics being one of the things with the beauty around. That's. Um, I, I think this is what Justin was getting at a little bit is you have, I don't know if you necessarily call it mixed media, but it's definitely mixed formats in terms of using the actual Marvel art from back in the day mixed with your art. For example, maybe I'm wrong about this, but we're looking here on the live show at a picture of Eternity that looks like it came straight out of the comics with your drawing in the background of what I assume is a church or some house of worship. Oh, how did you put that together? How did you choose to structure things artistically in that way? Well, you know, I thought it would be great to have uh, Jack and Steve Dicko's artwork in the book and stay in stories. So it's a mashup of my work and their work. And, um, and even with my work, I was doing big, these really huge paintings of uh, Marvel characters, and I was able to incorporate them into the story too. So there's a, a lot of different looks, but somehow it all works together. I mean, my art next to Jack Kirby's or Steve Ditko's, I think um, it's funny how you can, it, it doesn't stop you. The, the story just continues. I think you have, you know these characters so well, you just really follow the characters in the story. And I think uh, I, what I was trying to capture, not their look, but the energy and love that they, they had in their, their work, I was trying to capture some of that, some of that cosmic magic those guys did. Uh, there's a passage in here that I wanted to just hit real quick where the watcher gives Reed a no prize, which <laughs> yeah. is, uh, and, and you find the way to make the fact that if you pointed out, well, explain what a no prize is and then f explain the spirituality that you sort of uh, unearthed uh, connected to it. Cause I really loved it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of the things that uh, Stan marketed with in the sixties. And I always loved the idea of the no prize and the no prize was an envelope with nothing in it, but a nice drawing of the Hulk telling you that it was a no prize. And if you wrote a letter and you found a mistake in a Marvel comic, you would get a no prize. And that's actually my no prize um, from many You years. have one. And um, uh. so in the book, you know, Mr. Fantastic is getting frustrated and can't find an answer. So the, uh, the watcher says, maybe the answer lies in this envelope and he gets the no prize. And then uh, basically the, he sees that there's nothing in there. And the watcher says that, you know, don't desire anything, don't need anything. You know, it's the, uh, the gift of nothing. Is what, it is. what was your what was your new prize for? What did you get a new prize for? Do you remember? You know, I, I, to tell you the truth, I don't. Because they, after a while, they you didn't have to have a letter printed to get a no prize. Because I remember I wrote in the letter and I don't, I, I was young enough that I don't remember what I, what I caught, but I knew the letter didn't get printed, but I still got a no prize, which was really mm. nice. You caught the fact that there, uh, a spider man couldn't possibly exist, right? That <laughs> a mistake that they made. Um, you mentioned this earlier, and I, I think you touched on this a little bit, but I thought it was very interesting to hear you talk about this as a spiritual journey. How much do you think this book was changed based on the fact that you had just done a book with the Dalai Lama? Do you think that was very much <laughs> on your mind going into this? Yeah, I would, I, I would think so. Um, you know, I think there's uh, compassion, you know, even in my Mutz comic, I mean, compassion's a major, a major theme. 
And uh, I think that's always been part of my work. But uh, after having just visited the Dalai Lama, um, it was definitely, uh, it's, it's always important to me, but it was definitely on the front burner for me. And does the Dalai Lama have a favorite comic book character? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to ask. <laughs> oh, all right. Do I mean, to flip it back to you, though, uh, you know, you talked about not really loving Reed. You like drawing mm-hmm. Iron Man, but is Iron Man your favorite Marvel character? Is that the one you identify with or who who's your guy or girl? You know, for me, it's funny. I, I Growing up, I had two brothers and my older brother uh, let us he chose which books we were allowed to collect. Ooh. So uh, he collected pretty much everything. And I got the X-Men, which <laughs> ended up being great because I love the X-Men. So to this day, the early X-Men are still my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, I know the book has only been out a day, but have you had any reactions? Have you got out to a store and see <laughs> it on the shelves or anything like that? You know, I was at the uh, Baltimore Comic Con. Hey, all right. We were there. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that you guys were there. But, um, you know, so people saw it and the next day came back. And, uh, yeah, people, you know, people relate to that love of comics. I think uh, I've gotten nothing but really great reactions from it. So I'm really excited. Awesome. Uh, well, Patrick, what is, I know this just came out, but what is next for you at this point? Do you have something <laughs> lined up that you're already working on? Or are you just letting this sit for a while and then go from there? You know, who knows? I, I, the, uh, <laughs> I like the watcher. I'm just watching and see what happens next. Um, I never thought I would have done a book with the Dalai Lama. I never thought I would have done a book with the Marvel characters. So, uh, boy, I'm just keeping uh, keeping things open and see what happens next. I, I tell you, I enjoyed this book so much. I wouldn't mind doing some more Marvel books. You, it was, uh, you can tell. Like, you need to sit down book. with the watcher himself. <laughs> it was the most fun I've ever had in the book. And even, even at the Baltimore Comic-Con, in every book I would draw, you know, I would ask the uh, person who purchased it who their favorite hero was, and I would draw it. And I tell you, spending a day just doodling Marvel characters is, a, is a, not a bad life. Awesome. Nice. Would, you, yeah. would you ever want to do a DC one, or are you always a Marvel guy? Well, you know, as a kid, I was a Marvel guy, but yeah, no, uh, you know, I, actually, I'm a Jack Kirby guy, and I think the New Gods are my favorite books at all. So, uh, oh, wow. you know, that that could be a possibility. But uh, I'm just a comic guy, you know, live and breathe comics between Charles Schultz and Crazy Cat, and uh-huh. you know, just any anything, pictures and art. That's what it's about, pictures and art. Couldn't but agree I mean, more. Words and art. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on the book. It's wonderful. So good. Um, have a great night. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Take care. Later. Oop, I cut him off. Uh, but classic Patrick Donald, the classic album, The Superhero's Journey, definitely check it out. It is yeah, it's very today. touching. Uh, beautiful story. So well put together. Really cool. It's, it's a the great mixed adventure. Media. Yeah. yeah, the mixed media nature of it. Yeah, and again, like we were talking about, it was not what I expected going in at all, but it yeah. takes you on this very emotional journey like we've been talking about. So check it out everywhere from Abrams Books. Yeah. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And this is the audience questions march, everybody. Is uh, it? 
before. March to the audience section portion. Um, I, I do want to, just before we get too far, there's a question from Edward Doherty on the no prize that I think might be a good kickoff. Um, sure, absolutely. Let me just turn down this jamming music here. So Edward Doherty does bring up, you had to notice a mistake and then suggest a solution to get a no prize right. He is, in fact, correct. Edward, you have won a no prize for hey, the show. No prize for you. No prize for you. No we prize for you. We will be donating zero dollars in your You get a no, no prize. Charity. You so, get a no prize. Congratulations, Edward. That's wonderful. Now, as we all know, every week, Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullet, a.k.a. The Chef. I thought you were going to say straight bullies. <laughs> yeah, I keep you on your toes, you always, man. You 80 years of doing this. You know, I got to keep you on your toes. You always keep it fresh. You're like yeah. Kevin Smith of that quote. Stray I'm not here. bullies. Anyway, uh, yeah, he always <laughs> curates a drink. This week, I think it's National Coffee Day, he said, on Friday. So he's Ooh. curating coffee drinks. We'll say... It was a little late for me to have some coffee. You know what I'm talking about, though. And oh, it really yeah. kept me up for a All right, old time. man. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm just having a six point Bengali. There you go. Oh, Look at nice. you. Yeah, it's good. What about you, Justin? Uh, I've got a uh, sort of a tequila. It's almost like a tequila Negroni, uh, you might say, mm. in that neighborhood with grapefruit tequila. And I'm moving over to uh, keeping it local with the Brooklyn Lager. Nice. And Pete, you're still working through Pony Boy. Pony Boy? That's stay, right. I'm stay. I'm staying golden. That's right. Stay golden. I was going to say stay fresh, but that's wrong. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, Subway. Eat fresh. Yes, but that's uh, also what Pete's doing. I don't know how fresh Subway is. Yeah. Have you have you ever have you tried the Subway beer? It's pretty good. Oh, they have the, it's a meatball sub IPA. It's like very bad. <laughs> yeah. If you like leave any bad. Subway sub in your fridge for long enough, it becomes alcoholic. And by long <laughs> enough, I mean 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, well, listen, uh, we got a question here. This is from Edward. Does Jim Handley's closing represent a problem with the industry? What are those problems in your opinion? You know, there's been a lot of talk about this online, not just specifically about this, but just in terms of like quality of life for comic book creators, quality of life for comic shop owners and people who work there. Um, There's also been a lot of, and I don't say this derisively, but like hand wringing coming from people in terms of, the industry is it on a downward trend right now is there a lack of creativity is there a lack of sales all of these things that are questions there's no like there's no bubble bursting or anything like that but there's also no bubble to begin with so i think the impression yeah. that everybody is getting is it's sort of like a slowly deflating balloon is what's going oh, no. on uh well what do you guys think what's your take on Let's just do a real quick state of the comic book industry. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, good. We're definitely the people that have the best answers to this question. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically with this as the prompt, I, I think it's just harder to run any sort of business in a major metropolitan area because people who want to, like, younger people, people who want to buy comics aren't, like, wealthy real estate uh, investors from around the world. So they don't live in Manhattan anymore. So it's harder to have a store there. I actually think smaller town and suburban comic book stores seem to be doing better uh, because they are also gathering places for different things. And, and it's just, it's a bummer that a a institution like Jim Hanley's is closing, but it's more of a city problem than a comics industry problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They got to honestly like pandemics over open things back up. That's what you're saying, right? Justin. Right. I'm not saying that specifically. Yeah. I'm saying Is more. A... <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> cities are not affordable anymore. For no, 100%. I mean, I think the things that I've been seeing, and this is obviously my very specific experience here in New York, but occasionally I'll go by Midtown Comics because it's near my office, and it's usually pretty full. There's a lot of people in there constantly buying stuff, even not on a Wednesday. Um, and I think that's the reputation they built up is like, they are currently the flagship store in New York, maybe on the East Coast, possibly in America, just in terms of like they're clean, they're friendly, they know how to manage their stuff, they do a good job with all of that, and they've gotten that reputation going for years, so people know to go there. And then they've also got several central locations. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I think you have things like an anyone comics in Brooklyn, which to your point creates yeah. a community around 
the shop and that's what keeps people coming back there or i've been taking my son to galaxy comics right in park slope and that also usually i don't it's not packed even on a wednesday but there's usually a couple of people there anytime we go in so i assume they're doing okay and it's they're friendly and nice and it's a central location um that it works so there's strategies there but jim hadley's having a place in the empire state building Rent's got to be a little high. Got to be expensive over there. Yeah. And also, just... we can't forget about the digital side of it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. most people are reading their comics not in paper form. So. The That's true. But with the implosion of comicsology, I do think it's made it a little more confusing how and why, when to buy comics. Um, so, I don't know. I think comic shops got to figure out a way forward to recapture that interest because there is a real possibility of having them as a community hub again. Now the digital is like on the rocks, but but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's just, it's, it sucks. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking because uh, comic book shops um, are just such a cool place to go. They're very fun. All all of them are unique and they all have kind of like a, a different kind of vibe and, I love going into different comic book shops just to see what their deal is, you know, what mm-hmm. what they're about and how they kind of set up. So uh, it's heartbreaking that, uh, that, that you know, I wish more people would choose comic book shops as a destination. And, uh, yeah, it sucks when a comic book shop isn't doing well. So that's uh, that's heartbreaking, man. And, and one thing I know, I've said this one kabillion times over the course of while we've been doing the show, digital doesn't hurt brick and mortar stores. It, it just doesn't. Because if people like the comics, they still want to buy them physically. Like, I think the best example of that is The Walking Dead, where, as reported on the Comic Book Club News podcast, they are releasing a 20th anniversary box set, which is just like the same eight volumes that everybody has in four different chunks now in a box and that's it but they'll sell oh man in a box in a box it's actually i gotta go to a store and get one it's a very nice slipcover box but i think it points to the fact obviously walking dead is an extreme case here but people will keep buying these books like they own them and they will keep buying them over and over in different iterations or new people will come to them and i think it's the same thing with like Obviously, those top tier things like uh, Scott Pilgrim, I think, is a good example, or probably Heartstopper mm-hmm. is up there right now. You've got the stuff that Jarrett was talking about earlier, like your Fun Homes and your Persepolis that are just perennial sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, Watchmen, there's been a million different versions of it. So people own this stuff, but they want to own it in different capacities. Digital doesn't hurt it. It can only emphasize it, and both can exist at the same time. But they got to figure out that they're not at war with each other. Or at least the comic shops need to figure out they're not actually at war with digital. Yeah. In any case, we got a bunch of other questions here. This is from Federico Rosa. Which comic characters would you have liked to have as a college teacher? Well, we all know uh, Wolverine took over uh, teaching the school, and that was just glorious. I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want yeah. to take his class? You know what I mean? And that was seen as a spectacular success, and he's the Professor X in going forward in general. Everyone would agree. <laughs> Who would you want, Justin? Who would you want as a college teacher? Sandman. Huh. Which one? Uh, and I know Morpheus? what you're thinking. Morph- I wasn't. I was actually thinking the one that's made of sand. Oh. Oh, that Sandman? The villain, the Sandman. Flint the Marco? actor? Yeah, exactly. He's a great actor. Thomas Hayden Church? Is this a Thomas Hayden Church thing? Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> you love I mean, him. Wings. You love I, wings. You're always talking I about love wings. wings. Yeah. Look, I am always talking about wings, and if you want to go have some fun, go watch some wings. Like, <laughs> if you're looking for a don't great tell wing. people to go other places. Who hey, are everybody, I'm Sad Man, and this is Wings 101. <laughs> Just to be clear for anybody who's here, this is not Buffalo Wings. This is not Spicy Wings. We're talking about the show Wings. Okay, I'm out. Yeah, and I'm Sandman, not the Dream Guy. I'm the Beach Guy. <laughs> the so, Beach and Guy. Half, half the class gets up and leaves. Uh, my job isn't Beach. I am Beach. Just to be clear, that's topical. You kids like that movie. I was taking a class about dreaming about wings. Buffalo wings. (laughs) Oh, yeah. TV show wings by Thomas H. Yeah. How did they they grade that class? How did they grade it? Uh, Why don't we move on? This is from Kevin. Beside comics, what would you teach a college class about? You're teaching as an adjunct and don't get an office. Uh, (laughs) Oh, Kevin. Not get an office. Come on. Kevin. I would teach class of Kevin being mean. Exactly. I would take over for Kevin's puppetry class and fire him from this adjunct <laughs> professorship. 
and kick him out of his office. Yeah. But really, though, if you could teach a college class about anything, what subject do you think you could successfully apply? I guess podcasting with frenemies. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was going to say Ted Lasso 101 I could do. Uh, no, obviously, I've already short, taught you improv. Teach, so. It's true. You are a storied improv teacher. Pete, you could teach a Ted Lasso 201, I think. <laughs> and a 301. Yeah. Doesn't have to be entry level. Welcome you to Ted Lasso 201, where we watch Ted Lasso 201 times. Is that yeah, what that means? That, exactly. Yes. Essentially. Okay. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. In the Slack, we had a very long thread based on my sarcastic post about wanting Tom King to take over all of DC. Does knowing Tom King is ex CIA make you second guess reading his work? Now, we should explain the little bit of Slack backstory on this. Slack um, story, if you will. Slack, slack story. story. You join the Patreon, you get to be part of our Slack. Where you get to get in fights with people that you don't get to meet in real life. So it's, it's not fun. even a fight. This was a debate amongst probably a, a, almost a dozen people, I would think, over the run of it. That was an ongoing post. It was like 250 plus posts in the thread currently. Wow. So it's, and it's fascinating. It's a great discussion about Tom King what it means uh, to be an artist, what like their life before, during, and after their work should be and in relation to their work. It's really Bless good. Bless you. Um, so like... Oh, I thought you were going to comment on a text. Yeah, no. Uh, I was going no. to, but then I had to sneeze. Okay. Okay. I Well, I'll, I'll throw out there, we talked about this a little bit. By the way, I'm going to take this question away because you're basically Wilsoning out right now, Pete. Um the <laughs> the thing that we talked about when we were talking about Wonder Woman number one with Tom King, I believe, is that he's been very clear that he was in the CIA or consulted in the CIA and then got very disillusioned with the American government. And I think that's fine. Like, it doesn't affect his work because he has experience in this thing. And has ultimately decided that's not something that he wants to be part of, and he disagrees with a lot of the methods. He's allowed to use his experience, write about it like anybody else. So you don't uh, think it's agreed. a trap that uh, the no. CIA is getting into comic books to uh, recruit uh, children? No, age. listen, I read Wonder Woman number one. Yes, there was a blinking green light in the comic book, and it started to track my movements, but I don't think those things are related. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh I I think, like, there was a lot of uh, talk about, like, him sort of needing to own up to his work in the CIA or, like, being a part of the CIA at a time where they were doing, like, uh, morally bad or slash ambiguous things, depending on what you believe. But now they're so, totally clean and totally cool. Well, I mean, that part hasn't come out. Present problems haven't come out yet until the future. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's hard to hang all of the CIA's crimes on one person, and especially a person who has come out and said, I left that because I don't like that. And now he has is moving on and doing something else and, sure, drawing on his experience. But it's not like he's doing pro-CIA things. I think he's talking about institutions. He's talking about... Uh, PTSD. He's talking about a lot of feelings and things that I think he ha that happened to him in his life there, and I think that's what any writer does. Yeah, Pete. What do you think about this? You seem to not want to talk about it, maybe. Yeah, I definitely don't. But uh, I do think it makes a lot more sense knowing that about him because he does like keep information from you for like a big reveal at the end to maybe kind of trick you of what you think is happening to what actually is happening. Oh, so it makes you think he's <laughs> you think he's running an op? Yeah, he's, yeah, running an he's op, been running ops on us the whole time, and uh, yeah, it's really just pushing his patent uh, cat and bat agenda. Well, I mean, I'll throw something out here, and this is 100% not throwing under the bus a guy that we like, but Philip Kennedy Johnson was in the, the Army, and he took that experience, and he writes through that experience often, like John Stewart. He's writing Green Lantern War Journal right now, and we talked to him about this in Baltimore. He's channeling some of that experience into the book. He's doing the same thing yep. with Action Comics. I think... Like you're saying, Justin, you use that experience. You don't have to agree with everybody's backstory or what they did. But, like, I don't know, particularly if they experience something and feel it's complicated and want to wrestle with those feelings emotionally and intellectually in a comic book, 
great. I, I think that yeah. makes them better and richer and more interesting. I would rather Edward read... Doherty says Larry yeah. Hama, same. Larry Hama. And he was in G.I. Joe? Is that his backstory? Yeah. He was um, uh, Rightwell was his name in G.I. Joe, right, Pete? <laughs> no, stop. With the Why are you word. mad? Why are you mad? Because like. it bothers me you don't know the names and don't like the names. That's Justin. Do Justin. That's your his, name, his name was Carbon, okay? Because, like, Carbon <laughs> yeah. and a pencil, because wow. that's what you used nice. to write. Good. Yeah, Carbon number two? Was that it, yeah. Pete? <laughs> carbon number two. Carbon number one was in Cobra. Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, if we're dropping name corrections and live on the show, good to know. Yeah. yeah. Good to know. And it is good to know all of you for sending in all of your questions. So thank you for that. We are going yeah, to move you. on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete the Page. Oh, man. I don't know if that's a good idea, but let's do it anyway. Woo-hoo-hoo! All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 Free dollars uh, to Midtown Comics online because if you have twenty five bucks, you get some comic books. Uh, so we just need a brave volunteer. Or do we already have one planned? Mm. Uh, if we do, we don't have one playing, if we oh we have David Quinley says he'll do it. Yeah, David. So all right, all right, David. So you are going to drop your answers in the questions, not yeah. drop your answers in the comments. Excuse me over on wherever you are youtube i assume and uh there you go all right today's trivia is on fun comic book facts and a respectful nod to steve harwell r.i.p you are an all-star okay here we go please listen to all three options before making your selection here we go question number one in the late 80s which dc comic book character served as the Iranian ambassador for the United Nations. Was it A, the Joker, B, not a rooster, or C, Michael Clooster? Mm. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of options there. The Joker was an Iranian Iranian ambassador? That is correct, yes. And too bad your name isn't David Quinley, because otherwise I'd be able to move on. Well, assume uh, David yeah, said it, but I feel like I need more explanation there. Uh, maybe I'll look uh, at Question that. from Edward yeah, Doherty. Can you give a G.I. Joe title to your co-host? Mm-hmm. Pete? Yeah, I like how Justin's code name is classically trained. That's pretty fun. 100%. Yeah, that's oh, a, that's Act cool. my way. I'm the face of... Yeah, you're the face man. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, but anyways, uh, I, I thought it'd be fun to do kind of like fun facts uh, uh, instead of news because, uh, you know, we have a news uh, thing that comes out every day, so I can't really compete with it, you know what yeah. I mean? Pete, by the way, I just wanted to mention, starting tomorrow on Comic Book Club News, we're going to be paying tribute to a dead celebrity area. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool with you. Okay, I think this, this is a good... Snake eating its tail situation. All right, I'm trying to help you, and all you're doing is fucking me. All right, here we go. In the 1940s, there was Wait, a co- David never answered the question. Yeah, but we did for him, and Edward Doherty uh, was nice enough to put it in there because maybe David uh, lost the internet for a little bit and has been I would think responding. David would. We would want to have the person taking the quiz be at least. It's fine. Time. Just move on. Little soon we got it. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> question number two. In the 1940s, there was a comic book character called Blank. Is it A, Green Llama, B, Person Who Loves Sitting Out Under the Stars, or C, Greg Camp. Mm. Mm. Feeling like there, we got an AA situation going on. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcohol. I guess Pete's GI Joe name would be Too Many Hoodies. Is that an, <laughs> Ooh, there's good? never too many. I hoodies. feel like I feel like we talked about this years ago. and Decided that Pete's GI Joe name was Garbage Plate. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. Definitely. Um, or, uh, so how about sucking on a? Mm. No, I think uh, maybe um, G plate. Uh, I I eat my feelings, or uh, <laughs> I uh, eat my feelings. Oh my god! Let's just assume it's say we don't know what happened with David. Let's go to okay. The third great. Question. Here we go. Last one. Marvel once did a what if where Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive blank. Was it a a sheep? B does Mark serve bugs? Or C Mark Cervantes? Mm. Mm. This is a really hard one. Uh, what did they call him when he was bit by a sheep, Pete? 
Well, that's uh, that's uh, that wasn't in there, but uh, yeah, it would have been good if I looked it up. <laughs> spider, spider, and you. Mm. Well, Why whatever. Put probably. Oh, cheap. David's back. David says, "Hey, yeah, he's oh. correct, David." There we go, David. Hard. He lost the chat, but he is back in it, and he has won. David, shoot us an email, and we're going to get you a gift card to Midtown Comics for twenty-five bucks. Pete. What's We're talking about movie? the 2001 movie Rat Race, and so wait, you're and the person you're paying tribute to. Can you just shout out if people don't know the name? Because it's not as much of a the celebrity you're talking about isn't known for their name. Well, uh, I think he was the lead singer of Sla- uh, Smash Mouth. That's what I'm saying. I wanted you to say that. I yeah, yeah. To well, that. I gave hints to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you pay, uh, Justin, calm down. When you pay trivia to a person, you don't provide any details about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just I say look forward to Pete's eulogy on. at my funeral is going to be like uh, just a half mumbled sentence at the urinal in the bathroom. And the That's bathroom. right. And you <laughs> know what's going to be great about it is people are going to come up to me and be like, hey, great job, man. You really did. A Alex, good job. all I want at my funeral is to just please ask for the secret Justin quiz. <laughs> 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 then you pop up. Ah, it's just a recording that gets played yeah like the joker at the end of the original batman (laughs) 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 well there you go congrats on that 25 dollars now as we all know new comic books coming out all the time tons of them coming out this week what are you guys looking forward to pete there's a ton of stuff that i can't wait to talk to you guys about Maleficent, number five, I'm very excited to talk about. Also, Invincible Iron Man, number 10, as well as Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War, Red Hood, number one. Mm. Justin, what about you? What about you? What are you excited for? What about you? (laughs) About you. Uh, I agree. There is a lot of stuff coming out. Do you think maybe there's too much, Justin? Do you think there's too much? I would never say that because... I, uh, I guess I love comics <laughs> um, of anyone here. I mean, I will Wait, say... you say you love comics more than me and Alex? Is that what you're trying to say right now? We could never prove that. We could never prove that. Or we should find a way to prove that. Once yeah, maybe we look into who takes the most care of their comic books, and that's a way to tell, because Not a that factor. ain't you. That ain't you, bro. And I wish I could show you the comics at my feet. I um, see a I'm stack gonna... of rubble behind you that breaks my fucking heart. Uh, those guys? They're hanging yeah. out. Yeah, they're great. It's not rubble. They're bagged and boarded, dog. Uh, I gotta look give like it. Who <laughs> they are? Uh, I gotta give it up to what's the furthest place from here, number fourteen. Ooh. Great book. This comic Ooh. is uh, just a wild ride every week, and it feels like the world is starting to sort of tighten up in a great way. I'm excited about it. I also want to shout out Action Comics number one thousand fifty-seven. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is really bringing the heat. Yeah, I would say the stuff that I was most excited about that's coming out this week. I agree the, with you with the action comics, by the way. The Flash, number one, from DC Comics. Always interested to check out a new run on that. And Miracle Man, The Silver Age, number six. Very mm. curious to see yeah. where this story is going. And, of course, Mark Buckingham, always fantastic on art. And, folks... Wait, before we go, <laughs> shout out to Mind, Mind Grenade Studios in the comments. Fourth member of Comic Book Club was quiet this episode. Shout out to the Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> the Cricket that haunted last week's stack. We'll see. Oh, if it, He's only a stack guest. We'll see if he pops back up. We'll see. All right. Oh, my uh, my G.I. Joe name is Slackbot. Yeah. I can roll That's that. hilarious. That's great. Transform and roll out. That's what I always say. <laughs> Slackbot, classically trained and garbage play. Always yeah. here, ready to serve. That's right. Not great in the battle situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jared Keen, PhD, yes. for coming on to talk about Hammer of the Dogs now in stores everywhere. Let's also, Patrick McDonald for the Superheroes Journey from Abrams Books, also available Super. in stores everywhere. Next week, we're going to have a bunch of guests on the show. Richard Pace will be here to talk about Coven, a book about 100 witches. Laurie Foster will be back to talk about Heart Eater. And Camerish Johnson, who you might know best as Luke Fox from Batwoman, who is also the Ooh. writer of Tower, will be here Ooh. to talk about Tower. So there cool. you go. That's the comic. Yeah. couple of other things to plug. Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. Our spot, Scott Pilgrim podcast is taking a trek back through the books before the Netflix show. Very, comic very Book fun. Club Destroying News, as mentioned. 
every day of the week with comic book club news right seems in like too much years it's and it is uh sons of a gun our dc podcast you can check that out marvel vision our marvel podcast patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe on apple android spotify or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter slash x comic book club live on instagram and tiktok comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night! Go Podcast Joes! Hey, everybody, we just wanted to give you a shout out here to let you know that podcasting and drinking isn't cool. Sure, we do it here on the show, but it can be dangerous and it's not something you want to get involved in. Until next time, transform and roll out. The more you know.